Hey, good morning. Good morning. Hey, I don't know about you, but that worship and the baptisms did my heart some good. How about y'all? Yeah. It is awesome to give God praise Woo! like that. Yeah. So glad to be in his house with you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we are in the middle of a series called Now More Than Ever, and it's a series about the church. And just to be clear, the church is you and I. It's not a building or a program. It's us. We're the church. And, and so what we believe is, is now more than ever, the church is needed in a world that needs it desperately. And so uh, it's not that it needs the institution or the buildings. It, what it really needs is the church functioning as the church was designed to function the way Jesus intended it to work. And we've been looking at this through the series, and the, there's about four or five different reasons why Jesus started the church, and we've been walking through each of those together. We're going to do that again today. But it's as if, get this now, the church gets to continue the work that Jesus started. Isn't that an incredible thought? We get to continue the work that Jesus started. That, that feels heavy to me a little bit, right? It's like, can you imagine being in a surgical room and you've been you know, a nurse for a while and the surgeon says, hey, I got to go. And I hand you the scalpel and says, you go ahead and finish up for me. Whoa, what are you talking about? But he says, no, no, I've trained you. You've watched me and it's time for you to finish up. That, that feels heavy to me, right? Can you imagine being in a convention center with thousands of people and someone's giving a speech and they go, uh, you know what, there's someone else here that can finish this talk better than I can and they call you up on stage and say, why don't you take over for me and finish this talk for us? How many of you would just rather die than do that? <laughs> a couple of you, I know. Uh, Jesus has literally done that. You know what he said in John chapter 20? He says, as the Father has sent me, I I'm sending you. He's saying, listen, I'm going to go back to the Father, and I'm leaving you here to continue the work that I started. That's literally what the church is. So we've got to understand why Jesus came, and there's just a couple main reasons. One is he came so that you and I can have a relationship with the Father. The reason Jesus Christ came to this earth was to live a sinless life without flaw, morally perfect in every possible way. And he went to a cross and he died a brutal death, taking on your sin and my sin and the sin of the world. And he paid for those sins before a holy God. And then he went to the grave and rose from the dead to purchase eternal life for all who have faith in him. And by doing those things, he made it possible for people who are far from God to come and have a relationship with the living God. And he did that. And we call that redemption. He bought us back. He purchased us back for God. He came to bring redemption to a world that every single one of us need to be redeemed. He did that. But could you imagine that amazing thing that Jesus did in, in the, the story of our faith? Could you imagine if he had done all those things but never set in motion a plan to take that message of redemption to other people after he was gone? Wouldn't that be a horrible tragedy that Jesus would suffer for the sins of the world and yet those sins uh, were paid for but no one ever heard and in a generation the message of Jesus' redemption had died out? Could you imagine the tragedy that would be? It'd be horrible. And so the other reason Jesus came was to provide a, a means, a movement and a plan so that the message of redemption could get to as many people possible. And I believe Jesus started in motion a plan where every person and every nation and every generation could hear the message of redemption, that God is willing to forgive us, he loves us, and he wants to have a relationship with us. He set that plan in motion 
through his disciples. He set that in motion through his church. And it started with 12 people, and those 12 people shared it with other people, and then other people, and other people, and we're sitting here today because it's been passed on from generation to generation. And now literally the baton has been handed to you and I, the people of faith. And he's saying, listen, there's other people that need to know the message of redemption. And I'm asking you to take it to them. That's what we're going to talk about today. I believe that's what God wants for not just every church, but for every believer in Jesus Christ to, to do just that. So we're going to look at just a few verses from Matthew chapter 4 together, starting in verse 18. And let me read this. It'll also be on the screen for you. Uh, it's talking about Jesus. It says, While he, by the Sea of Galilee, he, Jesus, saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, let me just stop right there. It, it, do you think, based on what we just read there, that, that these guys, uh, Peter and Andrew, were just natural-born spiritual studs that, that, were, that, that Jesus saw them and said, man, those are the guys that I, could, that I can lean into because they're already arrived and they're already where I need them to be. They're the perfect vessels to use to start this movement. Or do you think he had to make, some, make them into that disciple? What do you think? Yeah, they made them, didn't he? There are nat no natural-born disciples. Are there? All of us have to learn how to follow Christ. And that's exactly what these guys did. When Jesus said, hey, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, he was inviting them into a process where he would make them and remake them and develop them into the people he created them to be. See, in that one sentence is really the strategy of Jesus is helping people become what they aren't naturally by birth and becoming disciples and followers of him. And that same strategy Jesus used, I believe, is the strategy that the church ought to be using today. Can I tell you, here at Crossroads, we are really committed to this idea that we want to help you become a follower of Jesus Christ and for you to be equipped to develop other followers of Jesus Christ. In fact, that's what our mission statement is, and uh, I want to just say it for you. We exist to be and build disciples of Jesus Christ. That's literally why we're here, is, is as a church that everything we do runs through the grid. Are we helping people become what God created them to be, and are we helping equip people to help others become what God created them to be? And not only is that the mission of our church, can I just tell you, that is literally the mission statement for every single person in this room. The reason you were born is to know Jesus Christ in a personal way, in a love relationship, and you lay down your life in following him, and then you give yourself to helping other people experience the very same thing. That's why you and I are here. That's why we're here. Now, we talk about making disciples quite a bit here at Crossroads, but uh, I think it's still fuzzy for a lot of us. Like, we kind of get the general idea, the concept, but maybe get lost in the specifics. It's kind of like, I won't speak for every guy, but I, at least for me, most guys, and me certainly, when it comes to laundry, it's a little fuzzy. You ever feel this way? Like, I get the kind of concept. You put the clothes in one machine, and then you go to the other machine, and it comes out clean and dry. That's, that's the concept. I get it. Softeners and the this and that setting and that long. And she kicked me out of the laundry room. She's laughing because 25 years ago, she said, no, you don't get it. You need to stop. I'll do this. <laughs> 
Like, I get the idea, but I get lost in the details, right? I think for some of us, we get lost in what it really looks like to be and build a disciple. So in this one verse, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, we're going to look at what Jesus said a disciple is and how to build other disciples. So there's three invitations we're going to look at. The first invitation Jesus offered to these brothers was, follow me. Follow me. It was an invitation to know him in a personal way. But I want you to understand something. Jesus didn't make this invitation to the masses. There were a whole bunch of people following Jesus around. His teaching was incredible, blowing people's minds for what he taught. And he was healing people, raising the dead, feeding them, doing all these amazing things. And there's a mass of people following him around. But he never one time said to the masses, hey, I want you to follow me. He, he made a very select group to follow him. Now, I will say this. He wanted that crowd really big. He wanted as many people as possible to hear him teach and see him heal and do all these things because in the Jesus crowd, the more is the merrier. He wanted as many people on the planet to know that he was the son of the living God who had come down from heaven to live a perfect life, that he was the chosen one to save us from our sins. He wanted everyone to have that knowledge of him. But he only offered the follow me invitation to a few. In fact, if you read the Gospels, it's really amazing. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are four accounts of the life of Jesus. He only offered that follow me invitation to a very select people. The 12 disciples like Andrew and, and Peter here in our passage, Matthew, Nathaniel, and Philip, he offered a come follow me invitation. And then only two other people besides the disciples. One was a guy who, who Jesus said, hey, come follow me. He said, well, my father's sick, and he's going to die in a while, so I just need to hang around here, and I'll follow you someday, but let me bury my dad first, and then, then I'll follow you. He, Jesus said, no, it's right now. Come follow me. And he didn't. And the other guy was a rich guy, and Jesus said, hey, listen, uh, I'm going to ask you to follow me, but I want you to sell all your possessions and good, and then you come follow me. And the rich guy says, I can't do the invitation. I can't let go of my stuff. And he missed out on the come follow me invitation of Jesus. So Jesus offered this invitation for the few. That's literally the whole list in the whole Bible of who he said, hey, come follow me. And here's why. The follow me invitation of Jesus isn't about the crowd, although I love this crowd. I just said just, just what we experienced in worship and baptism was incredible. But the come follow me invitation isn't about the crowd. It's about being in close contact with other believers, with other growing followers of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus was inviting to, wasn't he? He's saying, listen, I'm going to invite you to be my travel companions. I'm going to invite you to be near me so I can just pour into you and invest in you and help you develop and help you grow. And I want you to become a follower of mine. But it's going to be a commitment on your part. It's going to cost you your time. You're going to have to leave your fishing nets and your profession and potentially your family and to follow me. It's a commitment to Christ and to the other guys that were following him. And he invited them to that very strategically. And we, we call that community here when we're in close contact with other believers. 
We believe in that strategy. We believe in that idea that these community groups that we offer, these, these, these gatherings of people, uh, they, they, they do so much to help us grow. It's kind of like embers in a fire, right? If you pull an ember out, it quickly becomes cool. But man, when you get it around other hot embers that are glowing and growing bright for, you know, on fire for the Lord, man, you can't help but start glowing yourself. And that is exactly what Jesus is offering when he says, hey, I want you to come near me and next to me, be with me and growing together with other believers that our, our lives will be on fire for him, glowing bright. We offer these groups because we want people to experience what Jesus offered those 12 disciples, a life-changing experience with other growing believers. Because here's what I know. You never, I've never met somebody that is thriving in their faith apart from community. I've never met them. I've ne- I, when I have lacked it in my life, I have withered away. So Jesus had to limit, think about this, he had to limit the number of people who he could invite into his group, those 12 guys, because you can't go deep with everybody. You can't give your heart and life to everybody. You only have so much of yourself to give. There's only so much time for Q&A. There's almost so much time to, to get close and tight and be real with one another. And so he limited the group of people, the few, so that he could have a deep impact in their life. But he did say one day that door is going to swing wide. And this disciple being my disciple and following me isn't going to be just for these 12. It's going to be for everybody who's willing. And he said in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he said, whoever, that means anybody, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up the cross daily and follow me. He's saying there's a day coming when those 12 are going to invest in other people and then the church is going to be 120 people and then it's going to explode on Pentecost and it's going to be 3,000 people and there's going to be all kinds of opportunity. The the door's going to swing wide for you to experience this thing yourself if you'll deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Jesus had to limit the number, and I can be honest with you, there's some things that limit us. I, I wish we were, I wish there were th- so many more people experiencing community at crossroads that aren't. And the two things that limit us are two things. One is the number of people who are willing to say, I want to follow Jesus Christ. I want to take it to the next level. I want this community close contact thing. I want to rub shoulders with other believers. I want to burn hot with other believers. I want that experience in my life. That limits it. The number of people that say yes to that. And the number of people who are willing to lead a group like that. Those are the two things. Those are the only two things that limit it. And so let me just ask you, is is God saying to you this morning, listen, it's time to find a group where you can burn hot together. Is it time for you to know what it's like to not just, not just show up for Bible study, but genuinely get involved in other people's lives and have it radically transform you? Or maybe he's saying, listen, it's time for you. You've been around here long enough, and it's time for you to get out of the boat and, and uh, lead others in the same thing. Uh, one example, that, uh, there's a bunch of them, but one example is uh, a gal in our, she was in our early service, um, Shelby Braunmeyer. Some of you know Shelby. And, and Shelby, 
Um, <clears throat> she doesn't hold a leader, leadership position in our church, but she, uh, she got this concept. And a young lady came to faith last year at her work and, and so was a new believer and starting to go to church somewhere. And But she said she's not experiencing this, this, uh, this community thing. She's missing out on this, this growth opportunity. And so Shelby took it upon herself to start meeting with this young lady every week to help her know what it means to follow Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? Shelby doesn't have a seminary degree, but she's being obedient to what Jesus said, go and make disciples. It's awesome. So once we get in a group like that and we accept this invitation to follow Jesus and be a part of a community like that, it kind of leads to the second invitation where Jesus said, not only follow me, but I will make you. He says, I'll make you. Now, that's interesting. It's basically what he's saying is when you get surrounded by other people that are following Jesus, it changes your life. It changes your life. I'm going to just tell you a little bit of my story. I was, um, uh, I was a believer at the tail end of, of high school. I came to faith in Christ and got baptized like the young ladies today. And I did not grow a lick from that day. And I didn't know my Bible at all. I didn't know anything. I was the biggest knucklehead that ever darkened the door of a church, I promise you. I didn't know anything. And I got to college, and my roommate in college was a believer in Christ, a pretty committed guy. And God providentially put other believers on that dorm hall, and we started hanging out together, some other guys that knew Jesus, and these little embers started glowing, right? We started hanging out. I, they started rubbing off on me. And then God sent a couple leaders, and one of them was a guy named Randy Bear, uh, my roommate's cousin. He said he, he obviously could tell we needed help. Because he said, hey, let me start meeting with y'all and help you grow. And we're like, sure. And so over the next five years, me and those other guys were tight. And can I tell you, God took a guy that literally didn't know anything about uh, spiritual matters, anything about Jesus, anything about the gospel other than what I had put my faith in, and literally changed my life. It was transformational. Jesus said he'll make us into something we're not. And if we're not seeing that, we ought to be able to look back and go, hey, a year ago or two years ago or five years ago, I used to think that way or talk that way or act that way or harbor bitterness in my heart. But by the grace of God and by the power of God, my life is being transformed and I'm not the same person I used to be. I'm different and changed by him. Because he said, I'll make you. I'll make you into something you're not. And I believe the reason we oftentimes fail to have that is we just haven't been placed in the right environment. We're not experiencing this community, and we're not, we're not allowing the, the Spirit of God work in our life because we're just not planted in the right place. Now, let me ask you something. When Jesus took time with those 12 disciples, he only, he only had a few years with them. Do you think, anybody? No way, right? Their, their mind would have popped, right? Yeah, way too much information. Jesus had so much he could have taught them. He didn't teach them everything he knew, but what he did do is he taught them everything they needed to know to be a follower of his and to build other followers of his. That's it. That's what he, that's what he purposed to do. 
And that's the goal. Listen, this amazing work that God wants to do in your life and in my life are really a function of three components. When you put them together, it is the magic sauce of spiritual growth. You might want to write these down. It is the Word of God plus the Spirit of God plus the people of God. If you have the Word of God and the Spirit of God and the people of God, it will transform your life. And Jesus will use it to say, I'll make you into something new. It's powerful. See, the word of God, in fact, let me give you this. The, the I will make you invitation of Jesus is about actively seeking to be changed by God. It's putting yourself before the word of God. It's putting yourself in submission to the spirit of God. It's surrounding yourself with the people of God. It's not an accidental thing. It is an intentional act on your part to say those three things I need in my life. And here's why we all need them. The word of the living God does something beautiful. It shows us the beauty and the glory and the majesty of Jesus Christ and his holiness and his righteousness. And we get to see him for who he is. And we go, wow, isn't God amazing? And then the word of God also offends us. Remember this sermon a few weeks ago? It offends us because it shows us exactly where we are. That we are deficient. And in view of this picture of who God is, man, we are so deficient of where God is. And then the word of God shows us a path. It teaches us a path of how we can go from where we are to more and more become of what God is. That's the word of God. That's its role in our life. But listen to me. If you just had the word of God and, and you knew how awesome God was and how low you are and the path to get there, but you didn't have the spirit of God, you'd be stuck because there'd be no way to travel the path that you know. The spirit of God comes to live inside of every believer and he empowers you to take the path of growth towards being more like God. He's the one that does it. And as you and I yield our lives to him, as you and I ask for the Holy Spirit to help us, as you and I, uh, what the scripture just said, we deny ourselves and we take up our cross and we follow Jesus, asking for the Spirit's help in those times where we know we're deficient, we find ourselves slowly beginning to take the path towards Christ-likeness. It's a beautiful thing to watch when, when we yield our life to him. And the character of Christ inside of us begins to be formed in us. And the outside actions of things we used to say and used to do slowly fade away and we're not the same people we used to be. Can I tell you, it's, it's easy to focus on the outside stuff, but I believe God wants to start on the inside stuff. And that God wants to do this transforming work with our attitudes and our thoughts And I believe it looks like what we call the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians chapter 5. When you look at who Jesus was, you don't get a better picture than those nine attributes listed in that passage to say, that is exactly what it means to live by the character of Jesus himself. So I'm going to stop here. We're going to do a little exercise here together. But normally I ask for everyone's help. But actually today I'm just going to look for one person's help. If you want to raise your hand and tell me if you know the nine fruits of the Spirit. Anybody want to take a shot? Come on. Who's got them? Who knows them? Don't be bashful. Come on. And faithfulness. That's good. Hey, good job, Ryan. That's awesome, Ryan. 
Hey, because you jumped out there, you get a t-shirt like this. I'm going to hook you up with one of these, okay? Awesome. Thank you, man. Yeah. Did you hear those attributes? Can you imagine if we all lived with love and joy and peace and all those other things in the course of our daily lives? Can you imagine? We'd be looking more and more like this God who loves us and made us. We'd look more and more like the perfection of Jesus, and we would strive towards that end. But then God also wants to do this external work in our life where we begin to change the patterns and the habits of our lives and the decisions we make and the actions we take. And we begin to not take on what we used to do. We begin to take on the things that Jesus actually did. And what's incredible is when you look at the life of Jesus and what he passed on to the 12 disciples and what they passed on to the early church, if it was true of Jesus and it was true of the disciples and it was true in the first church, it probably ought to be true for us today, right? And so those seven, we have seven different actions or conducts that Jesus had on the outside that we say if we're going to be following Jesus, that those seven things ought to be true of us as well. Now, they all start with M. I'm going to give you that clue, but same deal. Anybody want to jump out and give us the seven M's, the conducts of Jesus that we talk about at our church? Yeah, nobody did in the early service either. <laughs> Bunch of chickens. All right, we'll do it a group exercise. Throw one out. Manager, multiplier, messenger, minister, magnifier. Did we say that already? We teach that here. We teach what it looks to act like Jesus because it's important. We, we want to have a handle on what it looks like. If we're saying we're following Jesus and, and we're his disciples, then if we don't do the things that he's doing, are we really his disciples? But if we're growing in the things that were important to Jesus, then likely you and I are growing in the right direction in following and so we take on the character of Christ, and he does this amazing work internally where we love people who are unlovable, and we have joy in difficult circumstances, and we have peace when we don't have answers. And we take on the external character of Christ where you and I no longer live for ourselves, but we minister to other people in the name of Jesus, and we tell them about the message of redemption, and we do these other things because Jesus did them. And we're growing to be like him. The word of God, the spirit of God, the people of God giving encouragement and challenge to us changes us. Jesus said, I will make you. My question is, is he? Is he making you into something that you've never been before? Is he making you into something new? Are you different than you used to be? Can I tell you, if, if, if you just see like, I, I don't feel like I'm making any progress in my walk with Jesus, I'm, I'm willing to bet that one of those three things is missing in your life. Can I challenge you if the word of God doesn't have a prominent part in your life that you make this book your favorite book and you get before God and you ask him to speak to you and you read a chapter or you read a piece and you let the word of God speak into your life, showing you the beauty of Jesus, your deficiency and a path to get there. 
And if you don't start every day yielding your life to the spirit of the living God, basically saying, God, I cannot do what you're asking me to do, so I need your help every single day to become the person you want me to be, and by your help, help I'll be that for you today. A while back, uh, I think it was during the quarantine, actually, last year, I started, um, I started praying, hey, God, this is Rod. Um, I used to say, I, your servant, but now I say, your slave. This is your slave, your humble, joyful, dangerous slave is what I pray every day. Let me be that for you. That we would be people yielded to the living God. Can I tell you, when you put the Word of God in the Spirit of a small group, and I've had the joy of having Jason and Cherie Wilkie in that group for about two years now, and the growth that I've seen in their life, you know, the growth I've seen in their life in the two years is absolutely miraculous. I mean, they were awesome people when they showed up here, but the work God has done in their life has been incredible, and I got to watch it. And now Sheree, every Saturday, meets with a young lady in our church who's, who's a kind of a, a new believer. And she is teaching her how to follow Jesus Christ. Just like Shelby, she doesn't have a seminary degree. She's not a leader at our church. But she is obedient to the good news to make disciples. The third invitation. The third invitation is uh, <clears throat> to become fishers of men. Jesus said, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. God's plan is that we would grow more and more so that we influence other people. We grow to the point where we're actively looking to influence other people. Jesus said it a lot. Like you read the scriptures, you see it all the place. But the last thing he said, he also said it. And I think that's significant. If you and I were about to go parachuting, have you ever done that? Anybody? Show your hands. Who's gone? Okay. One crazy person in the crowd, okay. You would never find me doing this. You would have to push me out of that plane. I don't like heights. I'm not going to go. Don't ask me to go. I'm not going. I would rather go down with the plane, okay? Just saying. But if you're parachuting, I can, I can picture that, that, that conversation right by the door as you're about to jump out. I don't think they're saying, hey, um, you know, uh, you, if you check the weather forecast for tomorrow, I don't think that's the conversation. I don't know, but I don't think that's the conversation. I don't think they're, they're making chit-chat right outside the door. If it was me by the door about to jump out of a plane, I'd be going, now this is the cord and this is the backup cord, right? This is the cord, this is the backup cord. In my head, I'd be going, do have to do what I need to do. I'm making sure I got the down pat exactly what to do, what I need to do before I make the plunge. You know, <laughs> that's why I'm not jumping. <laughs> I don't know if it's going to work. Who packed that shoot anyway? <clears throat> Trust issues, I know. Jesus' final words, right before the jump, right before he goes back to heaven, right before he's about to leave, he looks the disciples right in the eye. He looks at all of us and he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I've commanded you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. This, this invitation is to fish for men is an invitation about God using you to make other disciples. Using you to make other disciples. 
Fishing for people really quickly is three things. It is, it is going and telling them the good news. We talked about that last week, that there's an urgency to it. If I want my kids to grow up in a world where Jesus is honored and the good news is prevalent and, and society is still moral and kind, then it isn't in politics that I put my faith. It is about me doing the job of making disciples who will make disciples who will change our world and our community through Christ. That's the solution. So we got to go and we got to tell them. We got to go and we got to tell them. See, I believe the good news turns selfish people into servants and unholy people into godly people over time. I've seen it happen. Could you imagine if this community, the, could you imagine Jefferson, Georgia, where the vast majority of people were living with the character and conduct of Christ, how awesome this place would be? Could you imagine what our world and our schools and our workplace and everything looked like if the vast majority of people were living with the character and conduct of Christ? It'd be a little bit of heaven on earth. And so God says, go. In fact, he says, hey, you fishermen, I want you now fish for men. I want you to cast your line and go tell people, go tell people, go tell people. Let me ask you something. When you go fishing, how many casts does it take for you to get a bite? A lot, right? And how many to get a, to get a catch? A whole lot more, right? Well, it depends who's fishing. And I'm going to show you a quick picture here. This was a fishing trip two years ago, and that's my dad and me and my son, Dane. And um, I'm kind of proud of that picture because my stringer's pretty full. And the ironic thing is Dane usually outfishes me every year. But we had a good day that day, didn't we, Dane? We found the honey hole, man. They were hitting. It was awesome. But we had cast and cast and cast and cast. And my question is, how many casts are worth getting a catch? As many as it takes, right? When Jesus said, go fish for men, and what he envisioned is you and I all having a stringer full of people that he used us in their life to help them become followers of Jesus Christ. Don't you want to show up with a stringer full? Don't you want to show up and say, man, God, you got, I got the privilege of you using me. I got to continue your work. And these people are in heaven because I was obedient to follow your command. If you know how to do that, if, you, if you've been there before, keep casting, keep casting, keep casting. You say, I don't know how to do that. I don't know what to say. Perfect. We got a training for you April 17th called Becoming a Contagious Christian. And we'll teach you how to share Jesus with other people around you. You need to sign up for that. So he says, go, and then he says, baptize. This is the three steps in, in making a disciple as you go, baptize, and teach. The baptizing part's really simple. The people that are out there and not in church today, they need to get them in here or another church. They need to become a part of the Jesus crowd, right? They need to be around other believers, and they need to get out from out there into here and from here into there, right? And they're saying, I'm following Jesus. I'm not turning back. I'm following him. And so we invite, we invite, we invite. We gave you cards. If Easter's anything, it is a great opportunity to bring somebody with you to a church where they can hear the story of redemption and know Jesus in a personal way. So don't let this sit on your dresser. Can I challenge you to give this to somebody and say, hey, will you come with me to church on Easter, Thursday or Sunday? Come be a part. 
And when they do show up, we welcome them and we love them because we're so glad they're here. Third piece is teaching them to obey, right? So if you and I go and we baptize and we teach, we're literally making disciples. And this teaching to obey thing, I think, is the most misunderstood piece. Because people say, well, I don't know the whole Bible. I, I don't know enough theology. I, I, don't, I don't know everything there is to know about the Bible. That, that's not what's necessary. You don't have to know everything about the Bible in order to start making disciples. Do you know what qualifies you to make other disciples? Is that you are genuinely following Jesus in your own life, and you're a step ahead of the person you're leading. <laughs> that's literally it. That means there's, pe there's parents in this room that need to be discipling their kids. That, mean, that means there's students in this room that need to be grabbing a couple of their buddies and teaching them to follow Jesus. That means there's people in this room in their workplace that need to start a Bible study at work. There's people in this room that you know who God's laying on your heart to make other disciples. In fact, that's exactly what Ryan Braunmeier did. Uh, Ryan and I spent a couple years in a discipleship group together and, and really got to know each other well, and his life really took off spiritually. And, and then he was in a leadership group with some other folks. And about halfway through that leadership group last year, it was during the quarantine even, and we didn't stop because this is too important. And uh, don't tell anybody that. But <clears throat> about halfway through that gr group, he said, Rod, I got, I got some guys at work that need this. I got to go start a discipleship group at work. I said, go. That's it. Go. Go make disciples. Teach them what you know, Ryan. You know enough. You teach them what you know, man. We can help you that. If you're, if you're at the place where I want to know how to disciple other people and be used in this way, you can sign up for that on your card. We want to train you on how to do just that. Well, we've talked a lot about being a disciple and building other disciples. How do we respond to that? I think the next verse really kind of sums it all up. Verse 20 of chapter 4 of uh, Matthew, he says, Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And it says, immediately they left their nets and followed him. They dropped their nets right where they were. They left it behind. They said, now is the time for obedience. I'm going to follow you, Jesus, today. I'm going to act on what you've asked of me today. If Jesus is saying, hey, you need to take up this follow me invitation, you take it today. If Jesus is saying, hey, this I want to remake you invitation is what God's speaking to you about, you need to take that invitation today. If the being the fisher of men invitation is what God's putting on your heart today, you take that invitation right now. And say, I'm going to follow you in obedience. And you can take a step toward being and building a disciple. <clears throat> I know we're going a little long. I got one last story. Remember I talked about Randy Bear, the guy that helped me grow when I was a college student? Well, about 20 years later, myself and Ryan Berry and Vince Mercandante and Billy Watts were in an Arby's. We used to meet in Arby's. Almost hold in walks Randy Bear who had invested in this knucklehead 20-something years earlier. And he saw me doing with these guys what he'd done for me. How cool is that? See, this is how this thing works. This is how we get to reach the whole world. This is Jesus' plan for transforming lives, is that we would take what we've learned and we'd pass it on to the next person. Last week, I asked you, who's your one? Who's the one God's calling you to reach in 2021? My question today is, who are you going to teach? 
Who's your one that God's laying on your heart to disciple and teach them how to follow Jesus? Who is your one? If you and I will reach one and teach one and reach one and teach one and reach one and teach one, and we do those two things over and over again, guess what? The mission of Jesus will be fulfilled and the planet will be full of disciples of Jesus Christ. Doesn't that sound amazing? Don't you want to be a part of that movement? Let's pray. God, this is a holy moment because I believe your invitation has been extended to our hearts this morning. And there's several different invitations you've got on the table. The first one is this invitation to follow you. And I talked earlier about redemption and what redemption means. That we all start out far from God. Longing for a relationship with you, yet it's frustrating. We don't have it because our sin blocks us from knowing you in a personal way. Yet the beauty of what Jesus did removes that sin and removes that barrier. It makes a relationship with you possible. Not because we earn it, not because we're good people, but because we recognize we need Jesus' forgiveness. And we ask you for that. This morning, if you're in that place and Jesus is inviting you to have his redemption, to be loved by him and to be known by him and to be forgiven by him for the first time, I want you to pray this prayer to Jesus today. Just between you and him. Just tell Jesus, I admit my sin. That you have the forgiveness of Jesus today. Would you tell him that I need your forgiveness today? And I believe, tell him this, I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. You paid for my sin. I believe you rose from the dead and you're alive to give me life. And today, the best I know how, I place my faith in you, Jesus, that I could know God. Listen, if that was your prayer today, immediately leave your nets. I'm going to ask you to tell someone before you leave this building, I said yes to Jesus today. I'll be at the back table if you want to talk to me. I'd love to know that. Maybe the invitation Jesus has for you is this following me, that it's time for you to get in a group of other believers and see how much your life changes. It's time to become a disciple. Or maybe the invitation Jesus has, it's, I'm asking you to be a fisher of men. It's, it's time to get equipped and ready to make a difference for me. If that's your, if that's your prayer to God, just say, God, I, I don't know how, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay my net down right now. I'm going to say, I want to follow you. I want a stringer full. Will you help me make disciples for you? God, thank you for modeling it for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for the message of redemption. We praise you for it in Jesus' name.